Uh, it is so good to have you. It's already been said. And uh, those uh, people that walked across with their testimonies, uh, we're going to celebrate in a minute baptism. And the great thing about this year is uh, well, between our campuses, we have 85 people that are going to be baptized that are scheduled tonight, not just tonight, sorry, he won't be here that long, but 85 people that are scheduled over all of our services, 85 that are going to be baptized. And what's really cool is there's this dude named Kenny, um, and Kenny watched last year from Las Vegas. And as we were all sitting at home and we were kind of uh, sheltered in place, Kenny um, accepted Jesus Christ and he drove in tonight to be baptized um, here in this place because Christ did something in his heart. And tonight you might be here and you didn't know, but in a moment you're going to be baptized too because um, God's going to do something in your heart. Your, night, your night's not going to go as planned. Uh, some of you come just to maybe join us for Easter, but you're going to experience Jesus and your life, like Kenny's, is going to be changed. Uh, how do I know that? Because I've just watched it year after year after year. And so I just want to let you know, you might not be ready, but we're ready for you. And so we're going to have spontaneous baptisms along with, I think, the 10 or 12 that are going to be baptized tonight. And so you just be prepared. And if God does something in your heart and you want to be baptized, you're going to come on down because the water's warm, it is good, and God's going to do something in your heart. And as that might not have been something that was planned for you in Luke 24, it wasn't going uh, according to plan for the people that were around Jesus either. Uh, everything seemed to change. Uh, the night had grown dark and Jesus had died, and, and it really wasn't supposed to happen that way. And I guess they had heard it through Jesus' words, but they just hadn't believed it in their hearts. There was a guy that went to Pilate. His name was Joseph, and he asked if he could have Jesus' body, and he took it off of the cross, and he buried, it, buried Jesus in a tomb that he had prepared for them. And as the ladies went home that night, they went home and prepared spices and perfume for the body. And as they were resting on the Sabbath, they were preparing for the next day when they would go and visit the tomb. And as the ladies went and visited the tomb, they showed up. And uh, as they got there, the text tells us that the stone had been rolled away and the body of Jesus was no longer there. And then it said there were these two men that showed up and they were gleaming like lightning. And they stood before them and they said, hey, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, for you see, he has risen. Don't you guys remember when he told you all of this? That he would be delivered over to the sinners to be crucified, and then on the third day he would be raised again? Don't you remember? And then in the text it says, oh, they finally remembered. And it occurred to them that what Jesus said was really true, that he had been risen. So they go back home and they tell the 11 disciples and say, you're not going to believe it, the tomb was empty this morning, and they don't believe it. Really, they all called it nonsense. And then Peter got up, and he took off for the tomb. And when he got there, he saw the cloth of linen lying there. And he looked at it himself, and he wondered, what had happened? Isn't it kind of crazy? The ones that were closest to him had heard the message over and over again, and he told them. And in that moment, they just couldn't believe. And he wondered when he saw the empty tomb, what had happened? And Jesus was no longer there. The text tells us in Luke 24, on the same day, there were two guys that were walking down the road, and they were communicating. And all of a sudden, this guy shows up. They don't recognize who it is, but the text tells us that it's actually Jesus. And this conversation starts to happen that's awesome. Jesus looks at these two guys and he says, hey, what are you guys talking about? And they stood with their faces downcast and they were grieving and they didn't recognize him and they said this, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Jesus asked, what things? Well, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet. In word and deed before God and all the people. And the chief priests and all our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. They crucified him. But we had hoped 
But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women, they amazed us. You see, they, they went to the tomb early in the morning, and they didn't find his body. And they came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And then some of our companions, well, they went to the tomb and they found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. So Jesus says to these guys, you still don't know who he is. Man, you guys are really foolish. You still don't believe? The tomb's empty and you're still not believing that Jesus rose from the dead? And he tells them all that he already knew in their head. They just couldn't believe it in their heart. And as they came to their village, they asked Jesus to stay and to hang out and have a meal. And so it says they sat down at the table and Jesus took the bread. And when he, when he broke the bread in half, it says all of a sudden their eyes were open and they looked and they were like, oh my gosh, this is Jesus. And then the text says he went away. And then they remember back, and in Luke 24, 32, it says this, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? So these guys, as they were having dinner, they, they got up and they took off and they went and told the 11 dudes, the other disciples, they said, man, it is true, we just saw him. Jesus is alive. The tomb is empty. And on that day, everything changed. Because you see, Jesus Christ rose from the dead just like he said he was going to do. That right there. That's the Easter story. That's why we celebrate that Jesus died, he was buried, and on the third day he rose again to new life. And for some of you today that are here, you have a hard time believing that story. And I can understand that. But I want to share something um, personal with you. I don't believe that story um, because the Bible tells me so. See, the Bible that we have, uh, this wasn't even put together till about 350, 400 years till after the resurrection. So the scriptures that we have in our hand, it wasn't really put together like it is now. So I don't believe it just because the Bible tells me so. Really, for me, I believe it because there were real people. There were eyewitnesses that saw Jesus who was dead, and they saw him be buried, and then they saw him rise again. History, not just the Bible, tells us there was this man named Matthew and a man named Luke and John, there was a guy, Peter, and then there was his brother, James. Now, let me just ask you a question. If you have a brother, what would it take for your brother to be the Messiah? I mean, what would it take for you to believe that your actual brother was the Messiah? Well, for James, it actually took him dying and rising again from the grave before he actually believed he was the Messiah. And in the book of Acts, it tells us that James believed it so much that he went to preach the good news and the hope of Jesus, and he was martyred for his faith. Not only that, there was over 500 eyewitnesses that came and saw Jesus personally, eye to eye, face to face. Think about that. It wasn't just the Bible for me. It was history. It was eyewitnesses. And the Bible records what actually happened. And so tonight, you might be here, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ happened, and history does not dispute that. But you might say, okay, so what? What does that mean for me? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Because in the next few minutes, I want to share just a little bit about what that means for you. Jesus was speaking to a group of people. He had just healed a man on the Sabbath, and the religious leaders were pretty upset with him in John chapter 5. They were frustrated with him because he did something on the Sabbath that he wasn't supposed to do. And Jesus said, really, I'm not about religion. I'm really about a relationship. 
And I've come to change the world. And in John chapter 5, verse 24, he said these words, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my words and whoever believes, him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly, or some texts say, I tell you the truth. Jesus is very emphatic. He says, listen up, what I'm about to say, whoever you are, whatever you've been through, there is this one, and it is me, and I have come, and you, if you believe in the Father, he has sent me. When the Father speaks, I speak. We are one. And whoever believes in these words will cross over from death to life. Not only that, you will not be judged. Think about it. He just healed a man on the Sabbath, and all the religious leaders were judging him for what he did, and he comes and he says, none of you by your past sins will be judged because I'm coming to bring something new and it is a relationship. And when I come into your life, you will cross over from death and into life. See, if you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ tonight, you believe that Jesus Christ is the savior of the world. And you, by believing in his name, will cross over from death to life. Well, what does that mean? Well, the book of Hebrews says it like this. Since the children are made of flesh and blood, that's all of us, we're made of flesh and blood, it's logical that the Savior took on flesh and blood in order to rescue them by his death. By embracing death, taking it into himself, he destroyed the devil's hold on death and freed all who cower through life, scared to death of death. You see, because of the resurrection, the death in this life does not have to be the final word in your life. For if you place your trust in Jesus as your Savior, He has rescued you and He has freed you from the grip of death and He has given you eternal life. And a free person really is not afraid about death. It's been suggested that ultimately all of our fears in life, think about this, all of our fears in life are related to the fear of death. And setting you free from death and from the fear of death, what Jesus does, he actually enables you to ultimately be set free from all of your other fears. When the women took the spices to the the tomb on that first Easter morning, the angels approached them and said these words, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? I've watched people over this last year. I've watched many of them fear desperately for their lives. And many people have actually stopped living and have done more to keep themselves just from dying. And that's okay to a point to be safe and to make sure we're okay. But for those of us who are followers of Jesus tonight, he says, hey, I took death and I conquered it so you could be freed from the fear of death. For death doesn't have the final word in your life anymore. And eternal life doesn't begin when you die. It actually begins right now when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I love my life. I'm not, well, I love most of my life. I I love what I get to do, but, and I'm not looking to die. But guess what? I'm not scared of it. I'm not worried because guess what? This isn't all. And I've said it so many times before. If this was it, this sucks. This would be awful. But it's not all. Because Jesus is alive and he says, I've given you eternal life and you will live past the grave and the grave does not have the final word in your life anymore, Matthew. And for that, guess what? I don't fear death because Jesus is alive. And I look at that and you should clap for that because that is Easter as well. 
for those of us who believe in Jesus, you cross over from death to life. And because of the resurrection, this life is not all there is. Revelation says it this way, the book of Revelation chapter 2, it says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death, there will be no more sorrow, or crying, or pain. All of these things are gone forever. Think about it, all these things are gone forever. And just like the garden God was creating in the beginning, he's creating a new story. He's making all things beautiful in his time. And one day, he will redeem all things. Death, pain, sorrow, gone, and they will be no more. There's a preacher by the name of Kyle Eidelman. And Kyle um, began writing a list of all the no mores in life. And as he wrote a, a list of no mores in life, um, I wanted to read some that he wrote, and I added to them. And you might have your list of no more, but you need to think about it. When we pass from this earth until eternity, there will be no more disease. There will be no more suffering. There will be no more Parkinson's. There will be no more death row, cancer, divorce, rejection, loneliness, depression, jail cells, wheelchairs, pacemakers, radiation, chemotherapy, school shootings, anxiety medication, crosses on the side of the road. There will be no more child abuse, breakups, colds, flu shots, acne, love handles, double chins, body deodorant, shaving, waxing, yelling, fighting, traffic, road rage, addiction, drama, hormones, crash diet, spanks, gossip, Autism, doctors, needles, taxes. There will be no more lawyers, plastic surgeons, politicians, elections, funeral homes, orphanages, tiny caskets, nursing homes, courtrooms, divorce papers, shame, quarantine, Thank God, face masks, toilet paper, <laughs> Zoom calls, hand sanitizers, ventilators, vaccines, or viruses. They will be no more. First John says it this way, this is the testimony in essence. God gives us eternal life, and the life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life, and whoever rejects the Son rejects life. When those people walked up, what they were actually saying with their cardboard testimonies was, I once was something, but because of Jesus, I'm now something else. Because I have accepted that Jesus Christ gave his life for mine. Paul, a writer in the New Testament, said it like this when he was talking about death. And what I love about this scripture, he was actually mocking death. He said, where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, not only do we cross over from death to life, but we cross over from hopelessness to hopefulness. 
Think about the two guys that were walking with Jesus. They had no idea who he was until he broke the bread at the dinner table and then they finally recognized him and suddenly they, he opened up their eyes and they saw and they remembered, were not our hearts burning with us while we were with you on the road and you opened the scriptures to us? What an awesome moment. And for us tonight, we need to understand that the empty tomb will forever declare there is hope for you and for me. God did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He paid our debt and wiped our slate clean and gave us hope. And hope was because of his great love. Scripture says it this way. This is how God showed us his love. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is the kind of love we are talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. You see, the humbling message of Christianity is that salvation is never, ever found in religious duty. Every other religion tells you that there are things that you need to do to achieve, to be accepted in the eyes of God. And the Christian hope is found in this radical thing that God in love has done everything for you. And not that once upon a time we loved God, no, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice for our sins to clear them all away. And you will never celebrate the good news of the resurrection tonight until you accept the bad news of why it was necessary. See, it was necessary because Jesus had to rise to conquer sin and death because we could not defeat sin and death on our own. He paid the debt for your sin and he cleared the way for you to be in relationship with God Almighty and that debt was paid in full. In 1821... In 1821, outside Dublin, Ireland, there was a landlord by the name of Andrew Fosse. He was the owner of many housing units, and they housed several farmers in some of those units. And in 1821, there was a severe potato famine which left many of his tenants without work, and some of his tenants were penniless. In a desperate plea, they wrote Andrew a letter and they asked him if he would have mercy on them and forgive their rent because they had no way they could pay it. So Andrew wrote them back, and he said that was impossible for him to do because it would set a bad precedent for all of his other tenants. And he told them that they would have to pay and be responsible for every penny or they would be moving out of their home. But, he wrote, I have something that might help you. He said these words. Enclosed is a check written out to you that should cover all of your debts and then some. I hope this is a reasonable compromise. Sincerely, Andrew. I'm going to guess when they received that letter, their hearts must have been filled with hope. When they looked and they saw that one simple word, but, hey, you were responsible for everything, but I've paid your debt, I've made a way, I've written a check on your behalf. See, that's what it really means. When John said, very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life, from hopelessness to hopefulness, and from darkness to light. So after his crucifixion, he appears before the disciples. They're confused. They're troubled. <laughs> they don't know what to do. They're full of doubts. And he says, hey, it's me, really. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. Go ahead. You can touch them. The nail scars are right there. And when they see it, they look. 
And it's all good. And then the text tells us there in Luke chapter 24, Jesus asked one of the greatest questions that's ever been asked in Scripture. He says this, hey, you guys got anything to eat? I mean, think about it. How awesome is that? I don't know about you. I think it's a great question because if I was in a tomb for three days and I came out, I'd be pretty hungry as well. And it has nothing to do with the resurrection. But right there, he just goes, hey, you guys got any food? And I bet they're going, what is going on? The guy just showed us his hands and his feet and he's wanting to eat. And they give him some food. And then he goes on to talk about the resurrection. He says, listen up, remember what I told you. Here's what I told you, and now here's what I want you to do. The Messiah will suffer and will rise from the dead on the third day. And listen to this. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached. Where's it going to be preached? It's going to be preached in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. He said, listen up, you're going to be witnesses And then you're going to go and start this new movement called Christianity. And you're going to preach and proclaim the forgiveness of sins. And you're going to help people cross over from death into life, from hopelessness to helpfulness, from darkness and help them walk into light. And over 2,000 years later, we're here preaching the same message that he commissioned those 11 to go and preach. And they went and they preached it. And many lost their lives because they were eyewitnesses and they saw Jesus who was dead and buried and now he was alive. See, he rescued them. And here's what it says in Colossians. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and he's brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Where you are today, does not have to determine where you go tomorrow, but that choice choice is up to you. See, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He left the tomb empty so he could fill the emptiness in your soul and you could actually rise up to new life today. Eternal life, you guys need to understand, it's not a reward for good people. You don't get to heaven because you're good. See, it's God's gift to forgiven people. It's God's gift for those who choose to actually believe. When Jesus was lifted up on that cross, he lifted up and he carried all the sins of the world, your sins and mine. His death satisfied satisfied all the requirements for our sins. And whatever you think you owe God or whatever religion has told you that you owe him, Jesus paid that debt in full. There's nothing for you to earn tonight. There's only something for you to receive. And that's the beautiful story of Easter. He says, will you receive my forgiveness? And with forgiveness comes the promise of eternal life and the opportunity from pa- to pass over from death to life, from hopelessness to hopefulness, from you to come out of darkness and walk in light. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When these people go in this tub over here in just a minute, they're going to have these shirts on that just has two words, made new. See, what they are saying in being baptized is I am identifying with Jesus Christ. And when they go under in the water, they're saying my old life is dead. And they're bearing their old life. And when they come up out of the water, what they're saying is, I am rising up to new life. The old is gone. The new is here. And I have been made new. 
not by the water in baptism, but by what Jesus has done inside. This is just a proclamation outside to all of you. And so you know what we do at this church? When they come up out of that water, we scream and we yell and we celebrate. And we have fun. And some of you haven't had fun in a year. And tonight's your night to have fun. You need to cheer and you need to be excited because they have been made new. And they are crossing over from death to life. See, tonight, the amazing story of Easter is this. That Jesus turns graves into gardens. He turns mourning into dancing. He turns shame into glory. He takes ashes and brings forth beauty. And he takes you and he says, you were dead in your sins, but now you cross over into new life. You were hopeless, but now I filled you with a hopeful future. And he says, you come out of darkness and you walk in new light. So why does Easter matter tonight? Aren't you glad you asked that question? Why does Easter matter? Because guess what? It really is a matter of life and death. It's a matter of life and death. And the real question I have for you tonight is, what's going to have the final word in your life? Is it going to be death? Is this all that there is? Or is there life? See, Romans 5.8 said this. There's three things that tonight you need to do if you want to come out of death and into life. The first one is to admit. Admit that you actually are a sinner and you're in need of a Savior. To admit that you don't have it all together. To admit that, guess what? All of us fall short of whatever God's standard is. And we need help. And the first thing is we need to do is to admit. It says it this way, Romans 5, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. You need to admit. You don't have to earn it. You just have to admit. Second thing is you need to believe. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And as scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Remember when I read those words when Jesus said, if you understand who the Father is and you believe that, that I was sent by him, you will not be judged? That's what it means. You probably should be. We probably all should pay for the debt of our sin, but Jesus came and he said, I took it all away. You're not going to be judged. You're not condemned. You're free if you believe. And he says, admit, believe, and commit. That you would commit to live your life for Jesus Christ. That you would commit to walk in his way and not in yours. That you would commit to giving your life over to him and being a part of his family. Because the greatest thing is he calls you his child and you will be loved. That is Easter and that is why it matters. And tonight some of you are going to make a decision in your heart and you are going to cross over from death into life because you are going to choose to believe. And some of you, I just believe, are actually going to get up because God's going to move in your heart and when I invite you up to come and get baptized, you're going to get baptized because you understand that you actually need a Savior. So tonight, I invite you out of darkness and into light. I invite you to eternal life that begins right now and eternal life that would be waiting for you. 
And I invite you to choose Jesus Christ, the reason we celebrate Easter, as your Lord and Savior. Would you stand with me? I'd ask you just to bow your heads. And if tonight you uh, made a decision for Jesus Christ, if right now in this moment that you just would, in your own words, in your heart, maybe you want to repeat after me, just say, God, I admit um, I need a Savior. I admit um, I can't do this on my own. I admit, God, that uh, I've lived my life for one person, and that is myself. And so, God, I just admit that I am a sinner just like everybody else in this room, and that I need a Savior. And then maybe in your heart you just say, Lord Jesus, tonight I choose to believe. I choose to believe that you are the Son of God. I choose to believe that you are the Savior of the world. And I choose to believe that you are going to save me tonight for eternity. And now, God, I commit my life to you. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Thank you for coming into my heart. Thank you for rescuing me. And thank you for helping me cross over from death until life. God, tonight, thanks for the people that have made a decision for you. Thank you that we are new creations. Thank you that because of you, we don't have to fear death, that this is not it. And tonight, I thank you that you rose and you had eyewitnesses, and history records it, and the Bible records it, and God, that it actually happened that there was an empty tomb. And so all of our faith stands on this event. And tonight we say thank you, Jesus. We thank you for new life. We thank you for those that are going to be baptized, that are going to be made new. We thank you for those that are sitting in the seats, and whoever it is, they're going to come fully clothed, fully ready, God, and we're ready for them, and they're going to jump in and be baptized. And we just say thank you. And so we celebrate over all of our services at all of our campuses, God, all of those who will choose to accept you as their Lord and Savior. So tonight we celebrate. We celebrate your goodness, we celebrate your grace, and we celebrate new life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.